Good morning, church. We're going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to be going through numerous scriptures. It's not going to be just one set there. But uh, the Lord put this on my heart a while back when I was praying about what to speak on when I was asked to. And uh, we're just going to get into his word this morning and we're going to, we're going to see where, where God leads us with this. It's time to rise up, men. Be the leaders in our marriages, in our families and homes, and in our churches that God has called us to be. Now, ladies, by this opening statement, don't sit there and think, we got the day off. Because you don't. Because we've got some word for you also here in just a few minutes. But I want to talk specifically to the men for a few minutes, and then I will talk to the ladies likewise. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 26 and 27 in Genesis. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God has a perfect order for everything that he does. And I know in our lives nowadays, you know, nobody wants to think that man has dominion over woman and this and that and the other. But I'll tell you right now, brothers and sisters, the word of God is the absolute truth. And when it's written, that's exactly how it is. It doesn't mean that we're here to have a thumbprint over, over women or anything like that. But if we're godly men and women, we're going to follow his word. And we're going to do what it says. In Genesis chapter 2, Verses 21 through 24. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord had taken from the man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both, oh I'm sorry, that's 25, we'll stop there. I don't know if you've ever heard of Dr. Tony Evans. He's a very godly African American preacher in the Dallas, Texas area. I've listened to him for for decades he makes this comment by creating man first God was showing that he holds men ultimately responsible and accountable for the expansion of his kingdom which that right right there tells us when God created man he had a specific reason why he created man first and not woman and we are to follow his plan 
In his creation, we were created by him in his image. I don't care what scientists and everybody else tries to tell you, we weren't created from apes or anything like that, although some of y'all may look at me and wonder, I don't know who created what, where you came from. I was created by God. He has a sense of humor. Trust me. But uh, also, other ones sit here and try and tell you that all of a sudden, bam, a big bang occurred. And everything was just created wrong. Everything was created perfectly by God in his perfect timing. And we were created in his image. We have three, three main points in the message today. Point number one is, men, we need to be the leaders in our marriages. Point number two is we need to be the leaders in our families, in our homes. And point number three, it will be, we need to be the leaders in our churches. But back to the uh, leaders in our marriages. You can probably guess where I'm going to say we're going. It starts with an E. We're going into Ephesians chapter 5. I know we've, we've heard this many, many times before. But we're going to hear it again today. Only this time we're going we're gonna to do it a little bit differently. We're going to start down in verse 25 where it talks about the husbands. And then we're going to move back up in a few minutes to verse 22 about the wives. Because like I said, today I'm wanting to exhort our men. I want to encourage you, lift you up, challenge you. Because we have some things, I think, that we need to make changes about. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he may sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she may be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. We could spend all day long in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ love the church we have a lot of we have a hard time some of the times with loving our wives that way don't we men we let a little we let a little five letter word starts with a p and ends with an e get in our way don't we it's called pride but you know what's amazing about that five letter word is what's right smack dab in the middle of that word. R-I-D. Rid. We need to get rid of pride. We need to throw it as far away as we can throw it from ourselves because when we do that, we're going to live more like this scripture tells us to live. It goes back to when uh, God made uh, Eve. He goes back to the fact that when he made her, he didn't make her to be a doormat to Adam. 
he made her in his image, just like he did Adam, and he made her to be a helper, to come alongside Adam and to be there and to be a support for him. Ladies, you have a tremendous job in your lives as a godly woman. And we're going to get into some of that scripture in a few minutes. But you have a tremendous, tremendous job knowing that you're to come alongside your husband and you're to be there with him walking down that path that he's walking, building him up, helping build up his character because that's what God demands, commands you to do as a wife. Now, there's some of you here that, that aren't married. You might have a boyfriend, a fiancé, or unfortunately just might not be blessed to have a spouse but i'm telling you right now god has a purpose for you no matter what and if you have a girlfriend or a a boyfriend or or a fiance you need to take heed to this stuff too because it's going to happen to you and if you're two godly men and a godly man and a godly woman that are looking to make a life together you should be living this out with each other right now, no matter what, just because you don't have a ring on your finger yet. And that, that takes me back to this, uh, I'm trying to think of the significant other that this world nowadays tries to come up with. I don't know where that, where that came up from, because you're either in it or you're not. And to sit here and say, well, I have a significant other, well, I... I don't really pay attention to that. I don't know about y'all. But if you're not going to make that commitment, then why bother with anything else? Because that's what God wants out of us, is he wants a commitment. And he wants, when we make that commitment to the other, to live that life out completely and totally, sold out to God with that. You ever uh, heard of this phrase? I know my wife's going to shake her head. Happy wife, happy life. It's totally bogus. I know, go ahead and throw the tomatoes at me. I'll dodge them. Totally bogus, in my opinion. In my opinion, and a dollar will get you a cup of coffee or sweet tea at McDonald's. So, you know, my opinion doesn't matter much. But anyhow. It's bogus from the standpoint that this, men, if we are truly living out Ephesians 5.25, if we are truly loving our wives the way Jesus Christ loved and still loves the church, our wives should be the happiest, go-luckiest women in the world, shouldn't they? If we do that. The question is, are we doing that? Are we living our lives that way? We're not going to live it perfectly because we're all sinners. Every one of us here is sinners. We're not perfect. But hopefully all of us here are saved by the grace of God, by the blood that was shed on that cross by Jesus Christ. And therefore, even though we fail, 
we still go back daily and ask him to forgive us of our sins and we do it again. But tomorrow, hopefully, we do it better. We were going through a refi about four years ago. A young man called me up. As the process started, he uh, started a little questions. You know, he said, I, I see you, uh, Paula's on your mortgage, and I take it as she, you know, she's your wife and all. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, she's my wife, and, you know, just get on with the show. And uh, so then he, he kind of looked, and uh, he, I told her we were married and so forth and all. And, and then all of a sudden, something changed. It just it went from just a telephone call about a refi to where God was opening. I could tell God was opening a door for something here. Because he told me, he goes, well, if you don't mind me asking you, you know, how long have you been married? I said, well, we've been married 30 years. And he just, you know, you just tell by his voice on the phone, he was just absolutely flabbergasted. 30 years. Wow. He goes, well, you must be doing something right. I'm like, well, I, I guess so. I don't know. But uh, anyhow, he, uh, he told me, he goes, well, is there anything that you can, any piece of advice that you can give me because I'm about ready to ask my girlfriend to marry me and so then the the bell started clicking it's like you know what this isn't a refi conversation god's opening the door right here to uh share about him and a, a, wit a witnessing time so i started asking the young man about you know he and his girlfriend if they were if they had a relationship with jesus and you know he he told me all the right answers on the phone i don't know positively but he gave me all the right answers that uh, that made me believe that he was he was a Christian. And I told him, I said, "Well, the one thing I can tell you right now is this: before you ask her to marry, and once you get married, the two of y'all need to ensure that Jesus Christ." is number one in both of your lives. Not number two, not number three, not number four. That he is first and foremost number one in your life above everything else. I said, and then after that, hopefully things will fall in place. Because, you know, as long as we have Christ at the, at the front and center of our lives, we're going down the right path. And I told him, I said, don't ever let her come before Christ, before Jesus. And he was just, he was in awe. He, he couldn't believe that. And I say that because I want to ask you this, gentlemen. Who's number one in your life? If I went out today amongst you to your children, and I ask your children... Who is your father's very best friend? What are they going to tell me? Are they going to tell you my daddy loves Jesus more than he loves my mom? More than he loves me? Or are they going to say, well, Mr. Ken, probably I would imagine that my dad's best friend is my mom. Wrong. 
until we put Jesus Christ above every single thing that there is that we have, we are not going to continue to live that godly life that God wants us to live. Our marriages, no matter how good they are, how good we think they are, are never going to be exactly what Christ wants them to be because he's not at the forefront of our relationships. We have got to love our wives the way Christ loved the church. Verse 28, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. That's a, that's a very strong scripture there too because I don't know of anybody that doesn't love themselves. But you know, Christ also told his disciples what? That if you want to be first, you've got to be what? You're going to be last. As a husband, you may not want to hear this, but this is the way it is. We are to be servants. It should be just the opposite. Our wives, we should not be expecting our wives to serve us. We should be in that position there of us serving our wives and our children. So I ask you today, brothers, who's number one in your life? If Jesus isn't, we need to make some changes. Let's go to James chapter 1, verse uh, 19 and 20. I have to color code all mine to try and beat y'all there, but I probably didn't. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of, the, of man does not produce the righteousness of God. How many times in our marriages, men, do we just take the scripture and just throw it completely out? Don't even think about it. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I know if I did, I'd be the only one that, that raised his hand saying that I've, I've just messed this scripture up. And when, thing, when things got, got hot and tense and all, I just rattled off this and that and the other and so to speak and all. And what comes out of our mouth is in our hearts. I hope we all know that. And as soon as we say something, we can't take it back. How many times in our marriage have we just said something, and as soon as we said it, up, I want to grab it and throw it back. And it has just torn the other person completely apart. The person we're talking about right here is our wife, our girlfriend. Beyonce, whatever. How many times have we done this, brothers? I tell you, I've done it time and time and time again. I, you know, I, I've already told you I'm not perfect. Nowhere near perfect. But as I get older, 
I get a little wiser, I do get a lot more grayer. I, I know that much. But I try. I try with this verse here to be slow. I guess some of it's probably just I'm getting old. So I'm not as fast as I used to be in the first place. But I try hard to remember and to stop and to ponder and to think about what I, what I just said or what I'm about to say to my wife. Because we should be edifying them. We should be lifting them up. Not tearing them down. Breaking them apart and causing bitterness. And you ladies, I just, I'm just i just going to throw this out there. I know that pride gets in you too. I know you can probably be stubborn at times. I, I, I'm pretty sure we're all human. But that's, a, that's an issue there that we, we have to, as godly men and women, we have to get rid of pride. We have to be willing to say I'm wrong. And we have to be willing to sit down and talk and communicate. I think miscommunication is one of the biggest things that happens in our marriages. The fact that somebody makes us mad. Well, I'm not going to talk to you all night long because you know made me mad. Well, why, why are we going to do that? We need to sit down and discuss things and to work things out before we, uh, before we let it just build up and build up until our heart is so bitter and cold that we don't even want to discuss it anymore. We have got to communicate with one another. Men, we have got to do a, a better job. Proverbs 8.13. We're going to go through the Bible day in all different directions. I'm trying to remember which color code this one is. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance. And the evil way. And the perverse mouth. I hate. Once again. There's that word pride. There's that mouth. That we just let things come out of. That just do more harm. And evil. Then we let do good. We need to think about this and pray about these things. And I used to cuss like a sailor. Back when I was first in the military, I guess something about military, I guess. I don't know. But everybody I was around just cursing all the time. And our oldest son, when we were in Germany, one time made a comment to me, made me madder in a hornet. But uh, I was talking with a friend and we were both just, you know, perverse stuff coming out of our mouth. And uh, he looked at me, he goes, you know, the things that you say that come from your mouth show your IQ level. And he, and he was, 
I guess that was 90 or so. So he was about 15. I almost went to jail for hitting a minor, but <laughs> fortunately at that time, I, I didn't do that. That even made me madder, and I wanted to say more things. But I actually stopped at that moment there. But once again, like I've said, we need to get rid of pride. It's an evil, evil thing. I want to look at uh, verse 12. I mean, chapter 12. Verse 4, the first part of verse 4. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. What do you think about that, gentlemen? She is a crown of her husband. But yet we treat them so bad at times, don't we? But yet, hopefully they just keep coming back because they know our heart. They know we love them. They know we, we mean well. But yet, we just continue to beat them down at times. When we look at this verse right here about her being the crown of our of the husband, we continue we should continue to build our wives up and to uh, continue to honor them and do everything that we can for them. When we look at this, when we adopt that kind of mindset about our marriages, our marriages should flourish. They shouldn't fall apart. Because if we're living out Ephesians 5.25, and just like this verse right here says, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, that shows me right there, men, that we should be doing nothing short of just building our wives up. We should be taking that servant attitude to a whole different level and that we should we should be doing everything we can for them we should know the desires of their hearts we should know everything we can about them you know your wife's favorite color you know your wife's favorite food i see some people shaking their heads Wait till you're about 60, you'll forget it. <laughs> Hopefully you won't. Hopefully you won't. You know? What are the things that that your, life, your wife loves to do? Do you do that with her? You remember back when you first met her? You were all Google-eyed and goo-goo-ga-ga over them and, and this and that and the other. We've been married 34 years. I'm not all goo goo ga and all that kind of stuff, but I love my wife very much. And I think she, I'm pretty sure she loves me very much. But we need, we need to take care of them, brothers. We need to serve them and serve them well. 
1 Peter 3, verse 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife. There's that verse again, comes back, huh? That word, honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. The weaker vessel, I was doing some study on this and all and this is just basically referring to the fact that, yes, most women are physically weaker than most men. It doesn't mean that they're weaker, that they can't do this or that or the other. It means that they're just most, most of the time physically weaker than, than the men. Once again, it's still coming alongside men, that, that they come alongside us as our helper that we are heirs together of the grace of life once again that this is we are man and woman husband and wife but we are heirs to the kingdom of God we are husbands and wives but then again we're brothers and sisters because of the fact that we are children of God Try that on your kids sometime. Just when you're all around somewhere, call your wife sister. See what happens. Have I done that before, Jennifer? Oh, yeah. I've been there. Our kids are grown. I still do that with them at times. Just to see the crazy reaction that I get from them. Our son is like, what are you doing? Are you losing your mind? I'm like, hey, son, she's your mom. She's my wife. But you know what? When we leave this world and we're spending eternity in heaven, we're brothers and sisters. We need to continue to remember. We need to honor them to bring honor to our wives. Christian husbands should be closely in tune with her needs, her strengths and weaknesses. Her goals and desires. Do you know, like I said, do you know what your wife's favorite color or favorite fruit, food? Blue and pizza for me. I know that much. Actually, I'm taking, I'm sorry. Pizza's second. Anything with potatoes is number one. <laughs> when was the last time you told your wife, just out of the blue, that you appreciate her? I hope you tell her you love her on a regular basis because I know there's many, many marriages in this world that that doesn't happen to. But how many, when was the last time you just told her you appreciated her, everything that she does? I appreciate the fact she doesn't like the way I, I do laundry so I don't have to worry about laundry because she wants it done right. I appreciate that, darling. I want you to know that. A Christian husband, oh, I want you on this next statement that I, that I make to you, gentlemen, I want you to ponder this. I'm going to read it twice. 
I want you to ponder this closely. A Christian husband's spiritual relationship with God is directly affected by the way he treats his wife. I'll say it again. A Christian husband's spiritual relationship with God is directly affected by the way he treats his wife. I don't need to say anything else on that. Let's go to Proverbs 31.30. Y'all are going to love for Rory to get back, aren't you? We don't have to go through all these books and everything else. Maybe next time I'll send all the color codes out to you and you'll, you'll have them all, but maybe not. I'm like Rory. I like hearing the pages go back and forth. Proverbs 31, verse 30, the second half of this verse. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. That's an awesome scripture right there. Gentlemen, does your wife fear the Lord? Does she, does she fear the Lord because she sees her husband every day of his life? doing the same thing and we all know we I, I hope we all know and understand that when we fear the, when we say fear the Lord we're not talking about fearing about getting a beating or anything like that like when dad comes to you and you, you misbehaved this is a reverence a highly highly reverence of the Lord that we are in complete awe and wonder of how great and awesome he is. This is what it means to fear the Lord. And when I read this verse and I see that about the women, I wonder how we're doing as men. Are we doing the same? Are our, are our wives fearing the Lord because they know as a godly woman that's what they're commanded to do. Are you leading her by your example to fear the Lord? And here's a question for you. If not, then why not? Okay, I've used up all my time just about, just on the first one. I knew that one was going to take a while because there's a lot of stuff in here. And we haven't even gotten to the, to the part with the ladies yet. Men, we need to be leaders in our homes and in our families. Let's go to Psalms 127.3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. 
The fruit of the womb is a reward. As a parent, we are blessed beyond measure from God to be able to have children to raise. Because they are his children, he has simply given us the honor and the responsibility to raise them and to raise them well. They are a blessing from him to us. And we need to always remember that. Proverbs 20, verse 7. Here's a good one for us, men. As we, as we look at our families, our children, we already have heard how we should be leading our, our wives. The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Our children at a young age walk and emulate us men like never before. They do you women also. But like I said, God has a specific order, a specific reason for why he created man first. And even in the children, watching my children grow up, I could see it a lot more in my son than I, than I did in my daughter about emulating me in everything that I did. Some of it wasn't real good. I have, to, I have to admit I failed miserably on many, many occasions raising our children. There was one time we were in Warner Robins, Georgia. I was in the Air Force. We were going somewhere, and I don't remember how it happened. Our son, he was, oh, I don't know, four or five, something like that. But uh, we were getting in the car, and I shut the door, and I shut it on his finger, and he screamed. Well, as soon as he screamed and I knew what I did, I let out a word. I told you I used to cuss like a sailor. Started with an S and ended with a T, and I'm not going to say the other letters. Guess what happened after that for a little while? Yeah. My wife wasn't very happy with me. I wasn't the uh, Ephesians 5.25 husband at the time. But she wasn't very pleased because for a time frame after that, our little son was walking around saying, and where did he learn it from? We have to be careful, brothers. We have to walk that walk and talk that talk. And we have to be very, very careful when raising our children to make sure that they see God in us and not the world. Because they are watching. Trust me, they are watching. Wow. Better hurry up. I told my daughter I was going to have you all out of here by 1.30, so we're... We're, 
Oh, y'all think I'm joking, don't you? I'm only on point two, and we haven't talked to the women yet. They're Grandma Barb. How does, you, how does your child view you, Dad? The righteous man walks in his integrity. How does your child view you? Everything you say and do affects your child tremendously. What kind of a legacy are you leaving with your children? Okay, y'all ready for a good one now, huh? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And you, fathers... Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now, I'm not going to ask you to show hands because I know I'm going to be the only one to raise my hand as to the fathers in here who have ever provoked or antagonized their children whatsoever. Scripture tells us also to not let the sun go down on our anger and this applies to our children our families it applies to our marriages as well i spoke on that just a little touched on it a little bit earlier number one we're not to provoke our kids we are to lift them up we are to edify them we are to show christ in them with everything that we do and that we say. That doesn't mean that they're not going to make mistakes. They are. And also, in Proverbs, it talks about spare the rod, spoil the child. Now, trust me, I'm a firm believer in discipline. There's a reason for that. But there's a big difference in disciplining your child and just all out beating your child. The scripture tells us that we're to discipline them. God disciplines us as his children when we get out of line. We need to discipline our children when they're out of line and bring them back in line. But we have to do that lovingly And we have to do it sparingly because I don't believe that every time a child does something that that deserves for them to get beat or this and that. I didn't even beat my child that many times, even though a lot of times I thought he deserved it. But anyhow, but we need we need to have that discipline with them, but they also need to know to see Christ in us. We need to make sure that we're not angry around them to the best of our abilities because we're men, we're sinners, we're going to mess up. But when we do mess up and we, we know we have, 
what should we do? We should go back to them and talk with them and explain to them that we know we messed up. We need to show them that we love them continuously and to continually build them up in that, in that area there. See there, I done messed these pages up. I can't even follow numbers. Proverbs 22.6. We're getting close to the end of the scriptures, so y'all, y'all be happy with that. I think it sounds like some, I heard somebody go, yeah. <clears throat> Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Let's don't mix this scripture up, please. And think that just because we train a child up in the right way, that that's exactly how they're going to go. Because I'll tell you right now, I grew up in the church. Every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday. If there was ever a model person who should have just gone to heaven right then and there, it would have been me, probably, because my mom had me there all the time, prayed over me. She still prays over myself and, and my wife and my kids by name every day. But that doesn't mean anything because I got into drugs, I got into alcohol, I ended up in jail once. All because I wasn't living for Christ. It's a personal relationship that we have to make ourselves. Our parents, this church right here cannot get somebody in, into heaven just by coming in here and sitting in those middle pews there. It's a relationship that you have to have with Jesus Christ. That's why John 14, 6 sums it up to us. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man shall come to the king, to the Father except through me. So this verse right here, while yes, it, it's good, it has some good things to it, it's not going to get anybody into heaven just by following this. But hopefully, you, you're brought up in this. You'll come to know Christ if you're trained up this way. And you'll never forget it. You'll never depart from it. Point number one, men. We have to be leaders in our marriages. We have to be leaders in our families, in our homes. And finally, we have got to rise up, men, and be the leaders in our churches. By being leaders, not everyone is called to be an elder or to be a deacon. If one has a desire to be a bishop, which is also considered to be like elder and pastor, then he has a good desire. But not all men are called to that position. 
In Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. talking about the uh, spiritual gifts and all. It says, To some he gave, some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of a stature of the fullness of Christ, This is where we will not see all called for leadership within the church for the simple fact of, like I said, not everyone is called to be an elder or a deacon or a pastor. But you know what? We are all called to serve in our local body in some capacity or not, men and women. So I challenge you to pray about this, to seek God's guidance in this as to where he would have you to serve in this body. There are many different areas in here that we need service in. We have a children's ministry downstairs that is just going crazy every single week. God has blessed us tremendously in this body with children. We just had a very faithful man, <clears throat> excuse me, who helped lead that ministry downstairs that moved from here not long ago. Ken Box did that for many, many years. I can't remember how many. If you want to find out where your, uh, where your service is, men, Let's go downstairs any Sunday morning and let's, let's look down there and see. Because trust me, there are many, many kids down there that would love to have men each and every week down there with them. Many, many women down there who would love to have men down there serving with them and helping them minister to those kids. But I, I really feel like I, I know that when Ken was doing that with Jess and with uh, Lindsay, that they, they had a really good rapport down there, all of them. So I challenge you men now to pray about it. Maybe that's what the Lord has on, in store for you, is to help out with the, the uh, children's ministry. But there's many other areas that we have that. Deacons, the meaning of a deacon is servant. We have deacons here. That's another position, biblical position within the church. Maybe God has that area for you as a deacon. You need to be praying about that and asking the, asking the Lord to show you. But just... If you're not a deacon, you can still be a servant. And I'm going to use, as I'm about ready to wrap this up, I'm going to use a couple of examples 
of what it is to be a servant just in the background. Nobody knowing anything about you or anything else. Had a couple come to this church this past summer. We were having out, we were having it in the amphitheater over there and all. And uh, the husband came to Rory and just told Rory, man, I just want to get involved. I just want to help out. I just want to serve in the church however I can. What have you got? What can I do? I said, well, you know, we're meeting out in the, uh, in the park, so we're not in the building and, and stuff like that. But, man, something that I, I really feel like we need to have done is every Sunday morning, we need to have those portageons cleaned, wiped down. I'll never tell you who this individual is, but that individual every Sunday morning, before those services started, before 85% of us got there, was already down there serving, wiping down and cleaning every one of those portageons before we had service. That's a servant's heart. That's what it's about, brothers and sisters. That's what it's about. Had a young man this spring. As most of y'all know, I was kind of overseeing the landscaping and, and stuff like that. Had a couple other people helping me out. Had a young man who moved away, moved back. And just wanted to get more closely connected, involved with the body of Christ here. So he came up and he said that he'd like to start doing all the landscaping every week. Cutting the grass, edging, blowing it off. All that kind of stuff that comes along with it. And I'm like, well, okay, we have a crew. and this, No, I'd, I'd like to do it myself. I want to do this. Because I want to draw closer to the body. I want to, I want to feel closer and in, involved with the body here at Calvary Chapel Primeville. This will help me, motivate me to get closer involved and, be, and feel like a part of this. That young man's cut our grass every week. Some of you probably know him. Done a good job. Didn't want a dime for it. Starting up a new landscaping business. Doesn't want a dime. He wants to do it for the Lord. He wants to be a part of this body. That's what it's about, brothers and sisters, with being a servant for the Lord. Is knowing that there's something there that needs to be done and doing it. Not wanting anything. Not wanting any accolades or anything about it. But wanting to be here in the house of the Lord and to serve this body and to serve this Lord and to serve our Lord. Jesus Christ came here and he did what? He served, didn't he? Man, the greatest man to ever walk on this earth and yet he's the one that washed the feet of his disciples, didn't he? He didn't let them wash his. He washed theirs. Because it's all about being a servant.
Ladies, I'm going to touch real quick like on you because I got to look it up real quick. Like I hate this. I hate, I hate this. I'm just going to go back to Proverbs 12, 4, what we talked about a minute ago. And I'm going to touch on Ephesians 5, 25 in just a minute too. But it's not coming to me and I'm not going to keep looking. An excellent wife is a crown of her husband. In Ephesians 5, 25, 5, I'm sorry. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Men, I'm going to say it one last time. If we are so in tuned with Jesus Christ and we're following him, if our lives are Psalms 1-3 and we are like the trees that are along the banks of the water where their roots run deep into the water and their water supply never runs dry, if that's how deep we are in our love and our ways of Jesus Christ, Every wife in this room here shouldn't have to. Every wife in this room should want to be submissive to her husband. Because that's what God calls us to do. If our wives aren't joyfully, ecstatically submissive to us, man, there's something wrong with us. There is something wrong with us. We need to change something in our lives. And we need to change that today. Worship team, you can start coming on up. We're going to open up the front here in a few minutes to an altar call. I'm going to have the elders that are available, Chris, Michelle, Paul, I want you to come up front, please. And we're going to be up here to pray for you. If you want to just come up here and kneel and pray, that's fine too. But man, we need to get our lives right with God. And we need to get our lives right today. We don't need to walk out of this place and say, I'll get it right tomorrow at home. We need to get our lives right today. We need to be having that Ephesians 5 marriage. We need to have that Ephesians 5 with our families, with our children. 
because they need to see the love of Christ like never before in their father. They need to see that in their mother. But it starts with us, men. God created us first. He created us first for a specific reason, and don't you ever think he didn't, because his plan is perfect. Don't listen to the world that's going to tell you that you don't know what you're talking about. You're all equal, and everybody can do the same. That's wrong. It's in our book here. It's in our Bible, and that's God's perfect word right there. So if we're here today, we're not living that Ephesians lifestyle. If you're not loving your wife the, the way Christ loved the church, then we need to make a change. I'm going to ask the elders and their wives to come forward, please. Adam, come up, please. This song says, I surrender all. Are you surrendered completely to Jesus? If you're not, you may be here today and you may not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's not a better day in this world than to make that commitment today and to walk out of here a new man or a new woman. Because I promise you this, you're not guaranteed enough time on this earth to make it through those double doors back there. And if you leave this place today not knowing Jesus Christ and you happen to fall out outside those doors, I hate to tell you, but it's done. It's done. So if you don't know him as Lord and Savior, come today. Let's make that right. Let's get that part right first. If you are here today and you, you have that relationship with Jesus Christ, But yet you know there's something that's not right with you, with your marriage, with the way you're treating your wife or your kids. The main part of that is because you're not surrendered completely to Jesus Christ of everything. I surrender all means everything, men. It doesn't mean 90%. I'm doing pretty good. I'm 90% surrendered. You're never going to be used by God the way he totally wants to use you until you give it all to him. Don't be like me. I was an old man. I was 59 when I finally decided to give every single thing to him. He wants that. He wants to use us in mighty, mighty ways. But he's not going to use us completely until we are completely surrendered to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you now, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus. Lord, I just pray right now, as we begin this song, that you would just touch hearts, Lord, touch lives, Father. And that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that they would come today to make that choice, Father. If there's men here, women here that know things are not right with their marriages and their homes, Lord, let them come today and get it right so they can get back on track the way they need for this. Lord, if there's men here that you're dealing with places in this body of 
Christ here in Calvary Chapel, Primeville. That you've been touching their lives, Father. Show them what it is that you would have them, where they would be leading at in this body, Father. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we just want to do your work, Father. It's in your name I pray.